hungry homies, my taste buds, my culinary comrades, welcome to another edition of House of Cards, food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your hungry host, Joe House. What a show today. We have coming up a couple of vulgar vegans. I hope they don't mind me saying so. Matt Holloway and Michelle Davis, the brain trust behind Thug Kitchen, which is the website and series of cookbooks bringing vegan food to the masses, affordable and delicious. This is a great conversation. You are going to enjoy it. And of course... We have food news with Juliet Littman, a brief cameo from our superstar, the Duchess of Delivery, Mallory Rubin. But first, let's dig in with Thug Kitchen. All right, my culinary comrades, my hungry homies, my taste buds. We have heard from a lot of you out there that... It's about time to have a different perspective here on House of Carbs, and we're talking about the vegetarian or vegan perspective, and so we went digging. We didn't have to go far. It turns out these folks are 10 minutes away from Ringer headquarters, three-time New York Times best-selling authors. They've sold over 1 million books in the, these United States. I won't run through the names of the books yet, but I will tell you that, my friends, we are going to earn our E rating today. So if you're listening to this podcast with the kids in the car, I'm going to recommend that you save it because it's going to get explicit. Today, as the guests on House of Carbs, welcome Michelle Davis, Matt Holloway. Thug Kitchen is in the house. What up? What up, bitches? <laughs> what up, bitches? So... uh I will now say the names of the books because we've given everybody fair warning um, that we're going to get explicit. Your first cookbook, the official cookbook, Thug Kitchen, Eat Like You Give a Fuck, followed by Party Grub for Social Motherfuckers, and then TK101, Fast as Fuck. Those are the books. I want to get started with how you all got started. What, what are we? How are we here having this conversation today in 2018? Uh, I mean, it still fucking shocks us that uh, any of this has happened. Yeah, we. I mean, like shit. What Michelle was working in a grocery store, and I was like a production assistant, and we were just broke. We were broke as shit. Yeah, we met in 2011. We started the um, blog in 2012, right. and uh, just like. Because we were really sad at our real jobs and crying all the time, so we're like, "Oh, let's <laughs> let's do something fun together." Because um, I was trying to get Matt to eat better, and he just couldn't fucking hang. And yeah, he hated I mean, like, all these other blogs. Yeah, like most dudes, my diet was like frozen pizza and beer. Like that was, you know. And Michelle was like, "Dude, you need a salad every once." Yeah, in a you while. need to be a grown up. And so I was trying to show him how to cook, and so we decided to create a blog for people like us, people who lived on a budget, who are trying to eat healthy, trying to eat more vegetables. And we didn't think anyone would care. And then about six months later in 2013, it went viral. And then we started getting attention. We got a book deal. And our first book came out October 2014. Yeah. It was just food memes. Yeah, we were just taking Michelle's recipes. And we were just, like, punching up the humor and just being really aggro with the language. 
And we, for a while, our, our tagline was uh, verbally abusing everybody into a healthier diet or a healthier lifestyle, <laughs> yeah, something like right. that. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just like, you need to eat more of, you know, avocados or you need to eat rutabaga and this is why it's beneficial. And like, we would give people recipes, but it just, yeah, shit got like, it blew up. So, so before you two linked up, uh, Michelle, you were, you were, um, eating vegan for a little while. For, uh, yeah, I've been vegan for 15 years now. Okay. So how about you, Matt? Uh, pretty much since the year that we started the blog. Yeah. Matt so was 2000... kind of vegetarian-ish. Yeah. I was uh-huh. vegetarian for like a year. I was trying to go v- vegetarian vegan because I had really bad, like I was in my mid twenties and I had really bad, um, acid reflux. And I oh. went and I went to my doctor and, and he straight up just gave me some pills and was like, here you go. You just take these now. And I'm like, cool. For like a month or he's like, no, you just like take them like just every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm like 24, 25. And I'm like, why the fuck? Like, I'm too young for like a constant medication. So and and yeah, and I linked up with Michelle and she was like, maybe it's your maybe it's your diet and lifestyle, dude. Like if you <laughs> talk, if you talk to your doctor about nutrition, I was like, no, he didn't even fucking ask me about nutrition. So I went vegan and it went away overnight. And I can Oh wow. Yeah, I haven't taken the medication since. Incredible. That was so, s- six years? What was it five it, years? Yeah, it was a while. Yeah. Yeah. So um it started off as as just kind of a hobby and a way for the two of you to bond with each other. And you thought that um in terms of your own, you know, budding relationship that it would be a neat thing to sort of conspire on and then and but put out and share with the public is that the idea yeah like so matt was trying to work on his photography just you know cuz we're trying to have hobbies and i i've always been a passionate home cook and i, I was getting some jobs like helping people cook um like as personal chefs and things like that. So I was like, oh, like I need like maybe some photos of food I cook. I forgot about that. Yeah, I maybe I need some photos. And so we started doing that and they were like, oh, we should like talk to regular folks about eating healthy. And we just did it, yeah, for fun. Like nobody thinks their blog's going to become anything. Like that's fucking ridiculous. Right, yeah. right. sure. Um, how about um, how you got started? So Michelle, did you arrive with, you know, a certain uh, index card file of recipes? <laughs> Well, actually, kind of like I, I, looking back, it looks like I was prepping to write cookbooks, but I definitely fucking wasn't. Like I was just—you got this notebook that looks like <laughs> something out of Lord of the Rings. This is yeah. like it's the it's the like, it's my spell book. It's the vegan spell book. There's right. some dope shit in there. Yeah, I mean, I've always just been a passionate home cook, and I would just keep notes on things I made and like what I liked, what I didn't like, changes. You know, like a little food diary, but it was all recipes. And uh, so then we got the cookbook deal. I was like, perfect. Like, <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, it looks like you were training for this. No, I was just a fucking lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> Has that changed? Any? Not at not at all. No, it's gotten worse. <laughs> yeah, if anything, good, good. I'm getting rewarded right. for being crazy. So, <laughs> so in terms of the origin story here, we kind of blew right by um, one important factoid, which is you described in 2013 that the um, your reach uh, kind of overnight increased exponentially. Yeah. Um, let's share with the hungry homies what happened there. <laughs> Uh, well, first, somebody made a collage of all of our, like, food memes that we'd made, and we got main-paged on Reddit. And then somehow someone at Gwyneth Paltrow's team saw it. She mentioned us in her Goop newsletter and then yeah. talked about us on the Rachel Ray show, and, like, our fucking site crashed. 
<laughs> so much yeah. traffic. And we were, and dude, like when that happened, we were both at our day jobs and we were getting emails from people being like, Hey, I just saw you guys yeah. like Gwyneth Paltrow talked about you and Rachel Ray. And we're like, nah, that's something else. That's not us. And then when we saw the clip, we about fell out of our chair. Yeah, we were like, What like, the fuck? Yeah, we don't like I didn't like we've never met her. Like I would have thought like it was kind of like a like a handshake deal. Like she was going to plug this like because my mom is her friend or something, like, you know, like I would have thought sure. there was some reason. No, she just did it because she liked it. Changed our lives. And yeah, I'm ride or die now for Gwenny because she fucking changed yeah. my life again. Never met her. Like, we've not really interacted that much, but, you like— You talk shit about Gwyneth, will shank you. She changed my goddamn life. <laughs> like, I was picking out dirty diapers out of fucking grocery carts, hot in the sun here in Los Angeles, and she got Oof. me out of there. So That, that is a visual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so let's go from, like, that um, massive moment um, into, you know, how the cookbook came to be. Yeah, so we got uh, all of a sudden like our inbox exploded. We're getting all these emails, and right. so you know, we don't. Yeah, we don't know anything about anything. <laughs> yeah, we're so the first person that we hired was an attorney because we're like, I fit, we were getting emails that people were like, "Hey, I'll give you ten thousand dollars cash if you just sign over your company to me like right now." And these are coming from like oh reputable agents and reputable publishers, and uh, we were like, "I feel like this is." Worth more yeah, than I that? Yeah, I felt like, like I, don't know. I was like, they could smell the country bumpkin on me. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to get, I'm going to be one of those stories. I do, yeah. <laughs> For us to get like 10 grand and split it would have changed our fucking lives. Yeah, so we got um, a lawyer and then we decided that because we were getting so many offers about doing a cookbook, we're like, oh, we're going to write a proposal. So that way, whoever we agree to do a book with knows exactly what the fuck we want to do. And mm -hmm. um, we can kind of stay true to what we're doing. And so we did that and shopped it around to a bunch of different publishers. So anyway, yeah, if you guys aren't familiar, like a book proposal is um, you essentially create sample pages of what the publisher can look at. And you're like, you know, these it's are like proof of concept. Yeah. These are recipes. These are photos. This is artwork. And yeah, it's just proof of concept so that they know what what it is they're investing in. Yeah. And so we had but all these. That, Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just no, gonna... I was going to say, at that stage, you didn't have any idea really what you were doing. No, and even mm -hmm. like when we did the proposal, the dimensions were so fucked up because I was using dimensions <laughs> from my photos. And, sure. our, and our agent was like, dude, you got to scale this way down. Yeah. Like no one's going to read a PDF that's like 1.2 gigs. And I like drew like some little drawings because we're like <laughs> Yeah, we would draw on blank pieces of paper and then scan it and then bring that into like, and we were working off like an eight-year-old computer. My camera equipment was so shitty that when I would bring in photos into like Photoshop, I had to, there were specific areas that I had to Photoshop out dead pixels in my camera. Yeah, I had like a 2005 like Sony Vio laptop that would just black out all the time. So I'd have to like reboot it. And so we didn't know what the fuck to, like, we were doing. Slam the screen down to <laughs> yeah. get it to turn on. It was the most violent you, thing that worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you ended up with in this first cookbook around a hundred recipes, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, how did I you, think it was 112 total. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So how did you go from, you know, Michelle's wirebound, you know, notebook, uh, you know, uh, what was the reference? Uh, uh, <laughs> I have Game of Thrones in my head, oh. but not. You say it. Yeah. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it was like a Lord, Lord of, of the, the Rings. Rings. Yeah, the whole, the yeah. whole fucking Lord, collection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. The Lord of the Rings recipe collection. How did you go from that? to 112 recipes that the two of you could stand behind. A lot of um, 
when people get book deals, what they'll do a lot of the time is they just straight up print their blog. And we didn't want to do that. It was very important for us that we were like, no, like if people are going to spend money on because the blog's free, like we're still putting free recipes up on our site. But like if people are going to spend money on this, like we want to give them something they haven't seen before. Yeah. And so um, a lot of them are just like my favorite recipes that I've been cooking for a long, long time. And mm-hmm. other parts of it was like, I have culinary ADD, so I'm always wanting to eat different stuff. And so it was kind of easy to scale it down in terms of like, oh, what I was kind of craving right then or recipes I wish had been available when I first went vegan or when I was trying to eat plant-based. Or my brother isn't a vegan or vegetarian, and he just like has a super like everyman palate. And so if, if it was shit that my brother liked when I cooked for him, I was like, that's going in the first book. Got it. So h- how do you go about, you know, uh, avoiding copying uh, other stuff out there, right? Because, you know, there's kind of, um, while there's endless variety out there in the in the vegan space, mm-hmm. how do you avoid, like, reinventing the wheel? I think that we just, so just the division of labor, I'll explain real quick. Michelle comes up with all the recipes, 100% her. Um, I do all the photography and then we we write everything together, like the the memes and the jokes and all that shit. Um, Michelle does a very good job sort of like seeing what's coming into season, because like when we created this, we were buying produce that was in season, readily available in its cheapest price because we didn't have a lot of money. So Michelle will take an ingredient, sort of workshop that and be like, how can I make this one ingredient sort of into a dish. Yeah, sometimes I work backwards like that. Other times it, you know, I'm not big on like trying to replace meat or, you know, fake people out or do shit like that. And so I think mm-hmm. my palate in general makes stuff different from a lot of other vegan food out there. And I'll say like you're absolutely right. There's a lot of people that sort of like mimic something but in our personal experience, we've done a recipe and then about 3 months later we see <laughs> we see ah. suddenly Everyone's doing yeah. that shit, <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. and and I'm not just talking blogs. I'm talking like we saw something in food and wine. They were like, "Y'all motherfuckers stole that." That's no. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, the 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 nicest form of flattery, right? That imitation is, hey, is flattering. We're just, we're just trying to push vegetables. That's all. I'm, I don't give a shit if more people eat vegetables. I don't give a damn. Yeah, and as passionate yeah. eaters, I don't give a fuck. More good food out there. All right. Yeah. Does it yes, taste of good? Course. That's that's what we care about, right? Does it taste good? No doubt. Yeah. So let's. I want to talk a little bit about how um, kind of your your concept has changed because just through sheer dumb luck and and coincidence, you guys arrived kind of on the scene, coincident with the rise of social media and and most prominently Instagram. You guys have like three hundred twenty thousand followers. On, on Instagram and what that medium kind of offers up in terms of opportunities of spreading your word, of preaching the gospel, of showing people, you know, through appealing pictures of, of food and then adding, you know, a way for them to get to the, to the recipes. How have you guys found kind of that um, tech side riding alongside with kind of your uh, emergence, um, that experience? How have you found that experience? I wish I could say that we had some sort of like plan, but like <laughs> it's it's honestly it's just dumb fucking luck. And like we were just like I was saying earlier, we're just trying to promote like tasty recipes that happen to be healthy. And people share that with their friends and like I think what it was is that people were tagging their friends because 
it was food memes and there was usually a punchline or a joke in the photo and people would tag their friends or family and they would, it would just get shared a lot. Yeah, all of our growth has been um, organic because because of our swearing, we can't uh, promote posts and we can't advertise like on any oh. any social media platform. So we can't, yeah, create an ad on Facebook. We can't promote posts on Instagram. We can't do any of that shit. And so, so that's like if we have three hundred and fifty thousand followers or whatever, that's three hundred fifty thousand real motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah right, right. There's no, there's no bots in there. <laughs> Those aren't Russian bots. Yeah, no, no, no not that to our knowledge. That's not. Yeah, we could, we can't buy exposure. Yeah. Like it's just it has to be organic. So it's been really good that you know we do kind of have that two pronged approach, like Matt was talking about, because uh, I think that helps people relate to the product, like. They either like the food photo or they like our dumbass jokes that we put on it. And um, we run all of our own social media ourselves. So, like, if somebody's liking your tweets, like, that's Matt. You know, if somebody's liking your food photos on Instagram, that's me. Like, we do Facebook together. Like, Yeah, if, if we're fighting with you at Twitter in all caps at 3.30 <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> that's Matt. That's me. Um, <laughs> good to know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try and pick a fight. I'll find. I'll, I'll stay up late one of these nights. But, it's, but it, they're like, <laughs> we'll find something good to go at. But they're like they're collard like, greens. Are they? Can they be? Can they be proper taco filling? Uh, right, dude. It's, no, it's, <laughs> it's fights of no consequence. It's like crispy yeah, crispy fries versus sweet potato fries. Fight me. Like, yeah. Well, except for those are the most important fights. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the delicious fights. Oh god, we're all winners there, baby. I'm telling you. So, um. Uh, one thing I'm I'm interested in is like you're not well. Let me ask it. Where are you cooking now? <laughs> like today? <laughs> yeah. Like, like where do you cook? So you, we, I mean, you you have so we you know, started. You yeah. have where you live, and you but you're you're professional, you know, f- food people, right? <laughs> so allegedly, yeah, mm. yeah. I don't know. This is this. What are we? I, we're not. We're not like people try to in, intro us as chefs, and we're like, "Yo, that's like saying doctor ain't a chef." Yeah. <laughs> like, no, but so we. I didn't call you chefs. No, I know. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> okay. So uh, the first book, we we did it out of Matt's apartment, um, and then so now we have a little office space. But my kitchen, like, let's talk about my kitchen that we wrote the first book in. Yeah. It's smaller than the booth that we're in right now. Yeah. It's like a quarter of the size. It's one of those, and one of those apartment uh, stoves where you can't, like, boil water and, like, have a saute pan on at the same time. So, like, I don't fucking want to hear it that you don't have room to cook. In the the oven, I remember when we'd bake stuff, and it's like, you have to set it 350-400, but the fluctuation in the oven was, like— 50 degrees either direction. Yeah, so I had to just sit there and just baby it and move shit around all the time. So the second book we cooked out of our office space, which is really just another little apartment yeah, that, that we okay. cook out of. That's the one that's over here by you guys. Mm-hmm. But but with the kitchen, uh, with an oven that has a somewhat predictable um, yes. temperature. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we got a new oven. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got a, like a new oven. This thing is like... It's the nicest thing I own. It's smarter than my phone. Yeah, it's the nicest thing I own. It changes the game, but uh, but if I could cook on that little ass like evil stove, that, we wrote we wrote a bestseller in that tiny ass little kitchen. So don't like nobody has any excuses that you can't make dinner. I'll try so to perf- I'll, I'll try to find a photo. Uh, it's it's so little, like one person can stand in the kitchen at a time. People in New York <laughs> will understand. 
Well, that that means that you spent a long time getting the the first cookbook off the ground because if there's only one person and you have to guess at the temperature of the oven and you can only have one thing on the burner at a time. Again, I mean, eight year old computer, busted ass camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we bled for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 it's a nice segue um, in terms of that convenience factor. The most recent book, TK One Hundred One, Fast as Fuck from two thousand and sixteen, I think is intended to be recipes that you can cook at home that are simple, that a person coming home from a long day at work can get just a handful of ingredients together and, and put something out that's healthful and, and cost-effective and easy enough to cook uh, in the first place. Am I right? Yeah, that's that was the total plan. That was the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you just pitched our the, book, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, here are the challenges uh, for, for somebody uh, like me. So I I, tr- I like to eat um, healthful, and I uh, support um, sort of the concept of vegetarianism and, and veganism. My uh, I have a, a little boy mm-hmm. who is uh, has allergies to, to dairy and to eggs and to tree nuts uh, and, and, and peanuts. So we have— um, over the past six or seven years, really come to understand and embrace um, vegan alternatives to to dairy and and, and eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, now he he we 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 feed him meat uh, on occasion when he'll go for it, but for the most part, you know he he often has kind of a vegan diet. The challenge that I will sort of share with you in our experience is how to do, you know how to how to pursue that kind of um, diet in a cost effective way. So how do you tackle affordability? Yeah. So when I met Michelle and she told me she was vegan, I did all the usual tropes of an omnivore asking vegans, like, where do you get your protein? Isn't veganism expensive? Like, don't you have to cook everything? Like, And it's that, like, daunting, like, I can't do all this. How, how can I afford it? Yeah, no. m- mind you, I was making $22,000 a year at the grocery store. Yeah, so. <laughs> hovering above the line of poverty. Yeah. So yep. I, for me, I think a lot of people try to replace stuff and go for these mm-hmm. kind of shelf-stable things. Like if you're getting the fake meats, if you're getting these super expensive like blended nut milks and, you know, you're doing all that kind of stuff, that's when veganism gets really expensive. Yeah, and you're like exclusively okay. shopping at a Whole Foods. Yeah, like, yeah but that, like— That shit's unaffordable. The ingredients we right. use in our recipes, I try to keep it for stuff that you can get at Ralph's. So it's like bell peppers and rice and beans. Do you remember when and, we were doing the first book? Our, oh, yeah. Our editor— um, sent us some feedback on the first pages and she was like, Hey, you know, it's coming along great, but you guys use a lot of the same ingredients and seasoning. Y'all should try to change it up and maybe pull on some exotic ingredients. And we were like, that's the whole idea. That's the fucking point. <laughs> like you should, yeah. you should have like a dozen ingredients in, in your fridge or your pantry and be able to make a hundred dishes. Yeah. So that's for affordability. Like that was always something that was really important to me, but also I didn't learn how to cook with expensive ingredients. So it is just what came naturally. You know, it's what's expensive for most people at the point of entry is just going to be getting spices for your spice cabinet. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, it's just super approachable ingredients. But yeah, veganism gets expensive when you're getting the fancy blended like non-dairy milk ice creams and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, the one thing that we found um, pretty early on is you need. There is some trial and error in terms of buying um, fresh ingredients and and how long those those things will stay fresh. Oh so yeah, like sure. And knowing how much, carrots. yeah, how much right, lettuce your family right. will legit eat. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that that's trial and error. Yeah. But once you find the rhythm of that, 
Um, you buy, you can buy, you know, kind of right down to, you know, the leaf. Yeah, how exactly. Much you need That's good on you guys for being regular. conscious of food waste. A lot of people don't think about that when they're grocery shopping. Like we, well, that, we didn't know how bad. But that's part of the affordability. Yeah, we didn't know how right. bad food waste was just in the cookbook space. Like the, some of the people that we were shooting with, they were just like, yeah, like food waste is, is huge. And when people are shooting cookbooks, I'm like, that seems so counterproductive. <laughs> yeah, luckily we have a lot of friends who are hungry. So we. <laughs> yeah, we, everything, everything in our kitchen gets eaten. And if it doesn't, like we have a, uh, at our office that we were just talking about, we have like a uh, compost bin. So everything is composted or gets eaten. There's almost Super no cool. food waste. Yeah. That, that's great. So, uh, what are you guys working on now? A nap. <laughs> no, we, we, we wrote a nap. three. We wrote three bestsellers in three years, man. We were exhausted when that shit was over. Um, sure, yeah. we just recently well, that was finished 2016. the dishes. It's 2018. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we. So yeah, we took 2017 kind of off so that we could like yeah. check in with ourselves. Um, yeah. Because like our friends and family thought we were fucking dead for three years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we got we got some things on the. Well, burner. yeah, we just started a podcast, um, right? Yeah, called Forked Up. So f- Forked Up, I I uh, I was a little jealous. All things nonsense and food, not necessarily in that order. Yeah. Um, that's kind of you know that's an appropriate tagline for this podcast. So <laughs> we're, <laughs> I think we're we, the know, same we're, family of podcasts. We definitely, who, who are. doesn't definitely love food are. and nonsense? <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. So we're um, we're working on that, and then you know we. Been partnering with restaurants here and there, trying to get more um, vegan and vegetarian options on menus, so that when people are traveling, like maybe that's their point of entry into eating vegetarian food or vegan food, is just trying it somewhere and be like, "Oh, this shit actually can taste good. Like maybe I should try this at home." And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll open a restaurant here in Los Angeles sometime in the future. Yeah, so you beat me to the punch. This was exactly. I was very interested in hearing. So you guys really have. Um, by, you know, location, access to some of the most in- incredible vegan ingredients on, on the planet. We're very uh, You know, the vegetables and fruit there, right, totally. exactly. H- how's your experience been in terms of the L.A. restaurant scene? When I, whenever I come out, I have a hard time staying away from the classics, like the delis, like Cantor's mm-hmm. or, you know, or Roscoe's Waffles and Fried Chicken, like I, I you know, or In-N-Out <laughs> Burger. Yeah, I'm an East Coaster, and and I'm an I'm you know I'll, I'll eat everything omnivore. Um, but I also quite appreciate the um, substantial offering in terms of juices and fresh fruits and fresh vegetable. Uh, I can't remember the name of the place. Gratitude is that the name? Yeah, of Cafe it? Gratitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I you know I've been taken there. I love that. I love that whole menu. Yeah, I, I was just in New York last week, and when I got back, I was telling Michelle, I was like, "Man, California salads just taste different." <laughs> like, it, because yeah, we got a, we got a great food. I mean, we have a great food scene in general here in Los Angeles and yeah. Southern California. And yeah, I just our plant focused food and our vegetarian and vegan offerings, like you just can't compete because our produce is the fucking best. It's I mean, like it's plucked within like you know, 36 to 48 hours from being on the field to your plate. Like it's, we have right. access to fresh produce anywhere And in because Southern we California. have such a strong um, Mexican, Central and Southern American uh, immigrant population here in Los Angeles, yeah. it blends yeah. so nicely with the fresh produce and all that shit and vegan and vegetarian food that like you can never go hungry in Los Angeles of, if you got our, some cash in your pocket. Yeah, one of our favorite spots just has like a burrito that is it's like five bucks and it's huge it's like the size of your forearm yeah tacos por favor yeah, yeah. it's so good though 
<laughs> What's inside of it? Oh, you know, beans, uh, grilled veggies, um, yeah, salsa, yeah, yeah. guacamole, and all that stuff. And, like, it's not a vegan or vegetarian place, but, you know, a lot of places here will cook their beans without lard. They use tortillas without lard. And so... Like, why not? Like, it's you don't need to go out of your way to these fancy places here in Los Angeles. You know Angeles. what blows my mind is people who live here in L.A. And I'm, <laughs> I'm specifically talking about my friends right now. It's people who live here in L.A. <laughs> and they go to fucking Taco Bell. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what, you live in Southern California, you monsters. Yeah, but they, we, we've had this conversation on, on the show before. Did you really? Um, it's, well, it, we pay attention to, you know, we have a food news segment. Juliet Littman comes on and we talk about, you know, what different folks are doing in terms of innovation or, you know, new new concepts. And one of the things that Taco Bell introduced was, you know, serving beer at, at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then one of the first places they were doing it was Newport. And Juliet and I were like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> who is going to go to Newport Taco Bell and have a beer there? That doesn't make any sense at all. If you want to try beer at Taco Bell, bring it here. Bring yeah. it out here to Washington, D.C. <laughs> right. We are totally on board with that. Yes. But yeah, yeah v- like vegan and vegetarian food blends so seamlessly into like even the, the more meaty offerings here in Los Angeles just because of produce. And so they really make it work. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a second in terms of the L.A. restaurant scene and what you guys are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Tell tell the hungry homies out there, the rest of the the hungry nation, as something you're seeing that that would constitute kind of an innovation because L.A. in terms of you know that 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 produce realm tends to be the leader. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. avocado toast, that was an L.A. thing way before the rest of the country caught up and, and you know, turned it into the terrible bastardization that it is now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> share, share with our culinary comrades something that you're seeing in the L.A. restaurant scene, um, the, the vegan scene that we might see here in the rest of the country over the next 12 months. I loved it. Like after the Great Recession, like everyone just blamed avocados. <laughs> they were just like, no one can have a house. <laughs> um, yeah, here in the LA scene, one thing that I'm noticing. I mean, Michelle's she's more savvy to sort of like the food politics than I am because I'll be honest, I just don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> I'm noticing that there's a lot more restaurants that are 100% vegan, but they don't use that word like anywhere. Yeah, and oh, okay. I, yeah, I would say um, jackfruit is gonna make a more national. Oh, yeah, that is popular yeah, right now. Yeah, I'd be a more national kind of um, ingredient for people that even at non-vegan or vegetarian places. I don't know. Have you ever had jackfruit before? No, and and I'm wondering what does it look like. <laughs> so when you so it's this big spiky kind of. It looks of, like a like a uh, ugly cousin yeah, of a yeah. pineapple, and it's huge. Yeah. And then when you um, cook it, the meat or the, the flesh of the fruit shreds really, really nicely. And if you're cooking it um, when it's not ripe, it, it's really kind of flavorless. And so you can marinate it, pan fry it, and roast it. And it looks a lot like pulled pork or pulled chicken. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've we've said that we sometimes occasionally cater. We're not advertising right now, but we occasionally <laughs> cater to, to our homies. Yeah, please don't ask me to cater. And yeah. and yeah, we've served jackfruit before and people are like, Oh shit, is this meat? And we're like, No, we don't fuck with meat. Yeah, like, but it's jackfruit. It's yeah. cheap. It's a cheap ingredient. Um it's really popular yeah. in like South Asian cooking and it it's really just the texture is great and so it's right for meat replacing. Yeah. Um and, and I, how, how, how 
How do you, How's it look on the Instagram? It looks bomb on the Instagram. It looks yeah. like fucking okay. shredded chicken or pork or something People like that. People always think it's pulled pork. Yeah, you wouldn't know it was anything but meat uh, unless, you know, you're reading the fucking description. But yeah. I think that's going to become a nationwide mm. ingredient. Well, it's been really popular here in Los Angeles. It's definitely going to make it coast to coast here in the next year or two. Yeah. Where can you grow it? Uh, you know, it's it, hard to find fresh here in the United States. You can get it in you some of the it. warmer states, but it... Okay. You can buy it canned really yeah, easily. Yeah, we just get it canned. Oh. And as so, much as right. we rail against cans. Like, I know Trader like, Joe's it. has it canned, and it's like $1.99 for this big-ass can. Oh, it's huge. That's yeah. super great. Yeah, so yeah. it's super affordable, but it looks all and sounds all fancy, and you can make it taste however you want. Like, you can um, smoke it, barbecue it. Like, I, oh, I wow. marinate it with, like, liquid smoke a lot, mm. and then, like, chili powder, um, a little pineapple juice, and then roast it in the oven, and then throw it on can top it, of nachos Can it go on the grill? Um, could it, it be a it barbecue ca- replacement? Uh, I would recommend or, something like a pan underneath it or something. Got it, because got it, it, got it. It, it. I mean, it, it is. It's like pork. Like, it pulls apart very easily. So, you know, if you're fine losing like 10% of it, <laughs> 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 you're just going to lose it to the grill pit. But, um, yeah, you yeah, can grill it. We grilled it. it. Yeah. It's it's fucking delicious. And, yeah, so look out for that. That's what I say. Awesome. Jackfruit. Um, so here's one thing in terms of your multimedia platform. I was uh, doing some research, checking you guys out, and I looked uh, high and low. There's one thing that I couldn't find from, from the two of you, and that was any video, uh, and maybe I didn't look hard enough, mm-hmm. of, of either one of you making food. You uh, did not look hard enough. <laughs> it does exist. Well, it's rare. <laughs> yeah. I found, you know, you on a cooking show kind of thing, you know, where you're making an appearance. But my my question is, why hasn't that been something that that you guys have sort of taken to in terms of, you know, building um, interest in, you you know, what you're doing and, you know, kind of promoting um, the recipes? Yeah, I feel like the next logical step when people sort of like blow up and they become like a food personality is the next thing to do is get in front of the camera and cook something. And 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 the way that we did the book is that we, we were like, no one else is doing this. We're like, all right, if we're going to do anything like on TV, we want to do something that's completely different that's not a stand-in stir. Um, sure. Like, I, I yeah. mean, if anybody, and I don't want that either. Right. And if anyone follows like our Instagram stories, like you can see us in the kitchen cooking. Like Yeah, on but, occasion. But like we don't like to put it all out there because number one sometimes I think that shit's boring and number two yeah. like I I want to inspire people to cook but I don't want people comparing themselves all the time because then I feel like you get really let down if you don't do it exactly how they did it or it doesn't turn out just perfect so we try to keep our food photos even super realistic looking like we don't style it with like, like any fake shit I like, had no idea that people did that until yeah, we shot our book yeah we don't use any fake shit like it's out of my pan like under Matt's camera Directly and then we're under the lens and then we're and good we to go it, yeah. and so I think a lot of and then, you, and then you eat it yeah and then we eat it for lunch it might be cold yeah. by then but like whatever it's usually cold because <laughs> we have to get like we have to get like 50 shots of it just keep well, tweaking let it. me make I want to make a modest request, yeah. um, and I know that, that I understand exactly what you're describing in terms of the things to avoid in terms of video, but I um, am a big dummy as a, as a cook. I mean, I'm, I, I love to cook. I like to stand in front of um, the stove. I'm an experimenter. I'm not great, though, and mm-hmm. so lots of times I will click on a YouTube, and mo- lots of times it's not a person necessarily. It's just a pair of hands, right? and that's doing some slicing and dicing, and it's show- I'm, I'm a visual person as opposed to like an audio auditory 
kind of person. And sometimes it helps to see, oh, that's the quantity of olive oil going into there. Oh, okay. that's that's what, you know, um, half a cup of onion diced the way that these folks are recommending it kind of looks like. Um, can, can we can we do a little maybe, an Instagram story would be kind of perfect for that kind of thing. Can I make a modest request? Done. Well, we'll add it to well, the list. That's all it took? <laughs> we don't, I mean, the company is Matt and I. We don't have to run it by anyone. So. Yeah. This, this isn't a fucking corporation. Yeah. It's yeah. just the two of us. We'll, we'll tag your ass on the first one we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first house of carbs. You know, now I, I, uh, I something... some recipes that caught my eye. I mean, I saw the spaghetti pie. I saw the drunken cauliflower tacos. But I, I'm, I'm a, a, you know, you guys guide me. Tell, tell, me, you what show you, me, what... tell me what you got trouble with. Like, what, what you need, um, like. Cutting up a rutabaga or something like. Wait, this is the second time you're dropping rutabaga. That's a that's a word of the day. I saw well, it. I, I saw it at you. the farmers market this weekend. It got me fucked up. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I find ginger to be a little inscrutable. Oh, like, like how to how to cut it or slice yes, it or do anything. Yes, okay. yes, oh, because right. if you just go grab a ginger, it's a it's a gnarled up kind of root deal. Yeah, and, like how do like I that. get it in the quantity that makes sense? It's like a Guillermo del Toro it, character. <laughs> word, yeah. word. That's exactly what. It's like I, I want it to be beautiful. I want it to be like Gwenny. Oh. I'm gonna take it from Guillermo and turn it into Gwenny. You know what I'm saying? You want to shallow how that ginger? Got it. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's do a ginger recipe. All so right. It features ginger, and, and I'll be like, how to pick out, out and how to prep ginger. All right. Done. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, thank you guys so much. This we're not ending yet. I have uh. one last thing for you. Uh, I, I don't know if you've heard before. I was. We, we like to ask guests, and and since there's two of you, we each got to do this. We want to hear um, your thoughts at the moment. It doesn't have to be like you're, you're dug in on this forever. Last meal on earth. Mm. And it doesn't have to be one thing. Mm-hmm. It could be a couple things. Uh, and I'll let you each take a turn. Um, I would do. Okay. So kind of a morbid question. Am I being killed? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, I mean, we, because I'm a sabotage my body. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm well, being if I'm allowed? being killed, I'm gonna sabotage yeah. myself. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. eat I'm gonna eat a bunch of cauliflower and broccoli, and you're gonna have to deal with my gas when I'm dead. Um, <laughs> fair is fair. No, I don't know. Like I it's probably, your last meal. I would just have like a like a bucket of mac and cheese, I guess, and just give me a shovel. Yeah, I. Would. And how are you doing? Let me hear the how you do um, the the vegan version of that. We have uh, tell them about the the breadcrumb with the the toast. Oh yeah, so That's it's in so our third. Yeah, tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> so I don't like fucking vegan mac and cheeses who are like nut based because number one that's expensive. super expensive to do it, like a cashew cheese shit. I don't have time for that. Sure. And um and it's really fatty. And so I came up with a recipe that you know how if you over beat mashed potatoes they get really gummy. Yes. So we do that like on purpose oh, okay. <laughs> and then season it up with some like nutritional yeast, a couple other yummy things, um, carrot, and you blend it in your blender and it makes this like gummy like cheese. It, it tastes fucking bomb. And so we do it uh, and then we bake it with some hot sauce breadcrumbs on top. Mm. I've given this to my family in Texas, and especially like my niece, who's like a teenager. You know, they're picky and they're very yes. specific about mac and cheese. No, no one, doubt. no one knew or cared that it was. Yeah, vegan. I'm not trying they to compete like, with your grandma's bomb. mac and cheese, but I'll tell you, it's better than the fucking box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, then, and where can I find that recipe? It's in a third, our third book, the TK101 Fastest Five. I think it's, okay. is it the cover? Okay. Yeah, it's the cover recipe. Oh, oh, pardon me. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's all good. I don't I, give a I, fuck. Okay, good. good, good. <laughs> that was such a weird when we were doing the third book. 
book. They were like, you really want mac and cheese on the cover? I was like, fuck yes, I want that on yeah, the cover. Yes. <laughs> I, would... I totally, I, yes. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. I mean, my, uh, my last uh, meal would definitely just be like spaghetti and a mm-hmm. big Caesar salad. Um, I, oh. sp- spaghetti, like fancy or just like the worst like jarred shot like sauce off the shelf. I don't give a fuck. Like spaghetti <laughs> is my comfort food. I I really identify with that uh, Sophia Loren wow. quote. Like everything you see, uh, I owe to spaghetti. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look here at House of Carbs, we obviously endorse that point of view. Oh my god, uh, I'm interested in in how you do a vegan Caesar. Can I hear a couple of those? Oh yeah, yeah. So I um again, I hate like soaking nuts over like long periods of time and all that shit. So mine is just blanched almonds. You put it in some hot water for like 10 minutes. Then you throw it in a food processor or a blender with a little lemon juice, um, some different vinegars, and then um, some uh, capers. So that the capers give ah, you that like anchoviness. There's that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right. The brininess. Exactly. This is, this is what a fucking newbie I am that when I went vegan <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I'll just order Caesar salad. And Michelle was like, well, it's not vegan. I was like, what's not vegan in Caesar salad? She's like, they use anchovies. I was like, they use anchovies in Caesar salad? <laughs> well, so, an egg. Yeah. yeah don't even I was just like, a oh. Lot of them. Yeah. I've, a, I've learned a, a lot. I've learned a lot these last few years. I feel like I'm a better person. Oh. But, yeah, that blew my fucking mind. Yeah. So I, th- that would definitely end some garlic bread. That, that's, that's oh. yeah, that's my meal. Well, I saw that on the Instagram. You guys have a pull-apart garlic bread that you're kind of pushing right now. Oh. Let, let's end with that. When Let am me I hear not? You. Both of you just gave a heavy <laughs> sigh. Oh, my God. It was oh. very pleasurable. Yeah. Let's, let's hear a little bit about that, that pull-apart garlic, and we'll end on that. Uh, yeah, so I roast, uh, you know, whole uh, fucking heads of garlic, do three of them. Then I squeeze out, you know, all the little, uh, like little the garlic bulbs. bits. Yeah. yeah. Blend it in the blender with some olive oil, a little bit of lemon zest, oh, it's um, just, it's some so, salt. It's so, you, so, so you make this like, yeah, it's almost like a melted butter kind of thing. And then you cut the uh, loaf. I like to do sourdough, but you can do French, do you, whatevs. Um, and I cut the bread two directions on diagonal. So you have these little bits that you can just pull out. And then I use a pastry yeah. brush and I just get deep in that bread. And you, just, with you just soak with that, that motherfucker going, yeah. with that, that <laughs> and velvetiness. Yeah. And then you just throw it in the oven for a little bit. I throw a little uh, parsley on top so it looks healthier. But like, That's what, another thing that we've served to people on is they just have a mouthful of food. There's like, this is vegan. We're like, yeah, it's fucking vegan. Dude. <laughs> yeah. The, the most important thing I to remember it. about vegetarian and vegan food is that spices and garlic and onion, like all, all that shit, all that shit's vegan. Yeah. Like if you're having right. bland ass vegan food, that's on the cook. Listen, I've, I've been an omnivore more recently than Michelle. I've had some bland chicken. Like don't sure. don't blame the dish. Blame who's preparing. Yeah. It. Nobody holds that shit against that's chicken, right. but you'll hold that shit against cauliflower and broccoli. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's right. Up with the cauliflower, up with, with the broccoli. Michelle Davis, Matt Holloway, they are Thug Kitchen. You can check them out on the Forked Up podcast. Uh, there, That's on Apple iTunes, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and your guys' website is is thugkitchen.com, yep. right? And our All handle on, on social media is just at Thug Kitchen. We didn't overthink it. All day. At Thug Kitchen, nice and simple, day. all day long. <laughs> Thug Kitchen, thank you guys so much for coming on House oh, thanks of Thanks for having us. Thanks this for having great. us.
All right, my taste buds. Awesome chat with our pals Matt and Michelle from Thug Kitchen. Check them out, thugkitchen.com. Get on their Instagram. They're, Michelle's going to make a delicious ginger recipe at my request. So God bless Michelle. Before we get over to food news, let's have a quick word with our pals at OMAX. The fact is, my hungry homies, that taking care of your health is a commitment and it can feel overwhelming at times. And that is why I have been loving the OMAX 3 Ultra Pure Supplements. With OMAX 3, you just need to do one little thing to experience big health benefits. OMAX 3 Ultra Pure is the purest omega-3 supplement on the market. That is important when you get into your 40s like me, if you're approaching middle age like me. This omega-3 supplement has nearly 94% of the high-quality omega-3s that you need. They even do this cool thing called the Freezer Test Challenge. If you freeze any other omega-3 supplement, it will get cloudy, and that's the filler. An Omax 3 soft gel remains clear because it's that pure. Better yet, Omega-3s are amazing at alleviating joint pain and muscle soreness, making you feel your best post-workout or post-round of golf. They also improve focus and memory. They boost cardiovascular health and more, and that is important when you eat carbs the way that we do here on the show. It just makes sense to take a daily Omega-3 supplement. Try it for yourself. Omax-3 comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee, so plenty of time to really feel the Omax difference. Go to tryomax.com slash carbs today to get a box of Omax-3 Ultra Pure for free. That's tryomax.com slash carbs, C-A-R-B-S, and get a free box of Omax-3. That's omega-3 supplement. Tryomax.com slash carbs. Terms and conditions apply, hungry homies. You know we have food news coming up, but a little bit of a new twist, a new segment that we are calling The Perfect Order. Brought to you by our pals at Caviar, and we're going to talk about the perfect order for the upcoming Oscars this Sunday evening. And of course, for this conversation, we have to have the Duchess of Delivery, Mallory Rubin, join us. Hi, Mallory. Hello. Wow, the moniker is as much of an honor as ever. Thank you. <laughs> so, so Mallory, you know, uh, well, you and I are in violent agreement that we love caviar, the best way to get delicious meals delivered from from the best local restaurants. Uh, the Oscars are right around the corner. I know you have some opinions on the Oscars. How are you going to go about feeding yourself during the award show? How so glad you asked. I, as you know, take my delivery very seriously, and especially on a sacred day, like Oscar Sunday, you want the meal to match the event. And so here's what I have my eye on for Oscar Sunday. I'm thinking about three different Italian slash Italian American LA options, all of which are on caviar, all of which would I think allow me to craft this kind of meal. I'm thinking John and Vinny's, of course, because I'm always of course. thinking John and Vinny's. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking Cosa Buona. And I'm thinking Alimento. And Cosa Bona and Alimento are 
part of the same restaurant family. Here's why I think that John and Vinny's and Cosa in particular would be perfect for after Sunday. I can get some bubbly on caviar from those restaurants. I can get a bottle of rosé, some champagne, some red wine. I can get a delicious pasta or two. I can get a budino for dessert. I can get some vegetables for a change, but I can also get mozzarella sticks and a pizza, you know, and that's the kind of balance I want on Oscar night. And part of what makes using this app such a great experience is you get that GPS tracking, especially on a night like Oscar night, you're going to be riveted to your TV, right? You're going to be captivated by whatever's happening on screen. What sort of mishap are we going to see this year? Who won? What will Army Hammer look like? How will Amanda Dobbins be coping with what Army Hammer looks like? And so you can't be like wondering and worrying, when's my food going to get here? You need to be able to just look at the app and know. And that is that is the feature that increasingly gives me so much joy and peace on this app. I love it. Wow. That sounds like the perfect order brought to us by our good pals at Caviar. Get the Caviar app, my hungry homies, or you can order online at trycaviar.com. You pay no delivery fee on your first order, and you get $10 off your first order of $30 or more with code CARBS, that's C-A-R-B-S. That's valid until April the 30th, 2018. That's that's a whole two months that you can jump on Caviar and give it a spin. Ten bucks off your first order. Uh, thank you, Mallory, for joining us. I know you're a little under the weather, so perfect time to be talking about um, delivery. Thanks for the time. <laughs> I'm going to go order some ball food from Cantor's. Goodbye. Culinary comrades, get the Caviar app or... Order online at trycaviar.com. Caviar is all over this great country of ours. Go to trycaviar.com and find out if they deliver to your neighborhood. I bet they do. All right, hungry homies, now it's time for food news. Yo, Juliet. Hi. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm hungry now that we've been talking about delivery. All right, then, let's not waste any more time. Let's get this food news going. Um, This one is about KFC and comes to us from Fortune. How's KFC ran out of chicken? I heard about this. Yes, it's pretty funny. The public relations team at KFC had their work cut out for them after a recent chicken shortage, but they were able to see the funny side. The fast food... the fast food giant has issued an apology in a full-page advertisement of the London Evening Standard, a newspaper over in England. So many of our best food stories come from England. Um, there was a shortage of chicken that forced hundreds of UK stores to close. The ad featured in the Friday edition of the paper included a comic reordering of the brand's le- name's lettering to spell out FCK. And then it said, we're sorry, a chicken restaurant without any chicken. It's not ideal. Huge apologies to our customers, especially those who traveled out of their way to find uh, we were closed. An endless thanks to our KFC team members and our franchise partners for working tirelessly to improve the situation. It's been a hell of a week, but we're making progress. And every day, more and more fresh chicken is being delivered to our restaurants. Thank you for bearing with us. So even though there's a loss of business here, I think this is actually a huge win for KFC. So I I saw um, this story. I think it's been around for a week or so, maybe two weeks. And it had to do with like a a new supply chain distribution kind of mechanism that they were uh, dropping over there in in the UK. And it wasn't that they they didn't have the chicken. They just couldn't get the chicken to the restaurants using this this new system. Now, it, it seems like for a giant entity like KFC... That, um, you know, the the only thing that matters is the chicken in the restaurants. And so not having a plan B or a plan C for that 
um, seems like like it's it's worthy of of some scrutiny, but they did manage to put a decent spin on it. I think. I think it's a it's a win because it reminds people or confirms that they're using actual chicken, and there's so many um, like. The, the farming of chicken raises a lot of questions. Yeah. You don't really want right. to ask a lot of questions. And I yep. think this is like a win that they're like, yes, there are actual chickens at work here. And this isn't like some kind of like weird meat we make in a back room. So I, I think that's why it's a win in my mind. I, I, it was also a win because I saw some social media. I was surprised at how beloved KFC is in the UK. And I don't know why I'm expressing surprise at that. Why, you know, uh, fried chicken is, uh, uh, of course, uh, um, you know, popular all over the world, and there are multiple varieties of it. But for whatever reason, I just was struck by there were a couple of folks who put posted uh, YouTube, you know, reactions and so forth. Sure. And there was lots of Twitter, Twitter chatter about it. People were really crestfallen at getting to KFC and not having. Their, their their bucket ready for them. I think it's a little surprising too. I, I I'm with you. I don't know. I guess it, I guess yeah, they I just love it over there. Yeah. I mean, I you know, maybe it's the case that, that there is not an easy pivot. So like if I uh, ventured to a KFC and for whatever reason they didn't have what I wanted or it was closed or they didn't have chicken, uh, I just go over to Popeyes. Yeah. Um, totally. Or you know any anyone. There's Bojangles reasonably enough. Like if I have that hankering for fried chicken and I need to satisfy it, then I'm getting myself some fried chicken by hook or by uh, mother effing crook. <laughs> uh, one quick uh, side note on this: our homie from Memphis, Chris Vernon, popped up on Monday with evidence of there being uh, a new. Branch of the Gus's world famous fried chicken. Are you familiar with Gus's? Oh, of course. I've never had it, but I'm very familiar with it. I haven't had it either. It opened up on the QT here in the in the DC area, oh, over in, in a town adjacent to College Park, Maryland. So over by the University of Maryland campus. Um, and I haven't made it over there yet to try it, but I'm gonna have uh, Chris Vernon on so he can walk me through the proper way to to um, kind of lose my Gus's virginity. How what exciting! I love it. It's good, right? Yes, that's awesome. What's like that's like yeah. uh, cited as one of the top reasons to go to Memphis is for the fried chicken at Gus's. Yeah. How yeah. cool! So hopefully, yeah, hopefully this uh, this this iteration of it um, is up to snuff. But the 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 local folks, people who I I trust. Um, have given it, you know, two thumbs up in terms of its authenticity and and it's a verified, you know, Gus experience. Cool. Well, that's it's very exciting for you. And I look forward to Chris Vernon's appearance on this podcast, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. It's overdue. That'll be great. Cool. Yeah. I'm I'm into it, man. Um, one more story for you. Are you ready? Let's hit me. Hit let's, me. Let's hit stay me. in the UK. A man okay. this is this is like a kind of a burgeoning topic for us, which is um <laughs> uh let's uh, which is tricking tricking vegetarians and vegans. A man was fined 183,000 pounds for pretending meat was fruit at super supermarket self-service checkout. Man has a man has been fined 208 euros, which is 183,000 pounds for pretending expensive meat was fruit at a supermarket self-service checkout. This man who earns 24,000 euros or 21,000 pounds a month was convicted for theft by Munich court after he tried to repackage up to 47 euros worth of veal liver in a fruit bag in December. The wealthy businessman admitted it was the fourth time he committed the offense that month. 
but gave no motive for the crime, according to local media. A judge who described the defendant as having not inconsiderable criminal energy cited his monthly income and criminal history for theft and tax evasion as reasons for the record-breaking fine. Uh, the Munich court spokesperson said the defendant did not appeal the verdict <laughs> and the unidentified man was released from jail, having put, been put behind bars following his arrest. In 2015, supermarket chain Morrison's replaced self-service machines with 1,000 manned checkouts after 96% of customers surveyed said they preferred staff checkouts. So that's nice. Jobs are coming back. I'm just really into this idea of like all, uh, I'm not into theft, of course, but I, I I will never forget the story when with the chef that spiked the vegans and then had the uproar on TripAdvisor. And I like that this guy is also just tricking the store into thinking that meat is fruit for his own like weird thrills. I mean, I assume he just did this for like the weird criminal thrill of it or something. I, I maybe I'm making too many assumptions, but this sort of like dynamic between is it meat? Is it not meat? Is, is a world that I'm, I'm very interested in. <laughs> I, I have to say I have a slightly different take. Now, oh no. Now I had, I pulled up the conversion euros to dollars. Cause I, I, you know, I, sure. I knew we were around, um, you know, a buck thirty. It's actually a dollar twenty-two right now. So two hundred and eight thousand euros is two hundred and fifty-four thousand dollars that this dude was fined. But this is a dude who makes twenty-four thousand euros a month. I know so, that's absurd. Uh, so well, why is he taking veal liver and sticking it in in a fruit bag? Now it's forty seven euros worth of veal liver. So what's that like? Uh, if I could do the math quickly in my head, fifty five to sixty dollars worth of veal liver, um, and it's got to be what you just described. He just gets the thrill out of getting away with something. Yeah. But you know, he, he, I love the judge's comment. Not inconsiderable <laughs> criminal energy. Wait, not inconsiderable. Yeah. So that means considerable. Yes. That double negative translates into a guy being a dick because he had plenty of money. And and apparently this history of theft and tax evasion, it's in his blood to see what he can get away with. Uh, Beal should... liver would not be the meat that I would choose to try and, and steal. What'd in, you go in with? This manner, Some steaks? F- yeah, filet. Filet, yeah. yeah. Some porterhouse, That's perhaps? Delicious filet. Yeah, right. Porterhouse, ribeye, sure. Um, I, I want to say I'm only celebrating. I'm, I'm only having fun with this. I'm not even celebrating. Having fun with it because no one got hurt. Of course, I don't support crime and theft. That's right. That's right. But it's a pretty hilarious story. It's like a good Soderbergh movie plot. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it could be a whole story here with uh, with all of the other stuff in his history. That I'd like to see what his uh, rap sheet looks like. Yeah, we need to know more. Thanks for having me, House, as always. Juliet, we've done it. Enjoy the Oscars. Thanks, man. You too. Yeah, let's eat well. Oh, I will. All right, my taste buds, there we go. Another show in the books. Please keep checking us out on the Instagram. Send in your belly sourcing pics. I think we're probably going to throw up a couple of vegan pics from our pals at Thug Kitchen. Until next week, my hungry homies, my taste buds, let's stay hungry out there.